your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Anton comes to the left. They clear that side for him. Here comes the ball screen from the weak side. He rejects it. Got caught up on his hip. He goes to the block, kicks it out, measuring the three. Stevenson got it. Swish for Jamil Stevenson. A great execution by the Big Red. Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation. With your hosts, Tim Curran and Josh Elkerman. Welcome, folks. Sports Nightly here on a Thursday night. Tim Curran, Josh Shilkeman here for you. Uh, we've committed a hostile takeover of the show as Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin are in Texas, the Lone Star State, to call Nebraska baseball's opening series of the year. Wow. I, it kind of crept up on us a little bit uh, with, with basketball still uh, winding down, but but still in full, definitely in full swing. Uh, but, but but blink and you miss it. Nebraska baseball season already here. And in fact, Josh, uh, you know they they actually could have played the the, the series in the Haymarket. I mean, it's it's a beautiful <laughs> beautiful day outside. I hope you got a chance to to, to get outside because it uh, today is a it's a it's a top ten weather day for me at least. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's beautiful outside today. The last couple of days have been. Uh, it's going to be nice out this weekend and into next week. So, yeah, absolutely great weather outside. And you're right. It, it, I know that this is something we're going to maybe touch on a little bit later on, but it, it's it's kind of sad that on a day like this, one, that the Huskers aren't playing at home, but even if they were, it, there wouldn't be fans that could be sitting on the berm to take it in because that's just, oh, man, it's a perfect day for baseball. Yep, yep. That uh, you mentioned it right there. There, there was the, uh, the the big news item of the day, I guess, if you will, um, at least as far as the Big Ten's concerned, is that the conference did come out and announce that they're going to allow fans at the Big Ten basketball tournament. I think, uh, I believe, up to eight thousand uh, in attendance, which isn't isn't too shabby. That's not full capacity, but that that's that's quite a few. Um, but as as you mentioned, the Nebraska baseball getting ready to to play Purdue in Round Rock, Texas tomorrow and yet and yet fans will not be allowed uh to attend which you you think of kind of the weird i mean why would it be okay to attend an indoor basketball tournament a week from now but it it, it's not okay to, to watch baseball outdoors granted i'm not an epidemiologist i don't even pretend to play one on the radio but josh the big 10 Seems to have done it again with their uh, with their logic and reasoning and and whatever else they got going on. I I I don't get it. Yeah, no, I it doesn't make sense. And I, I the the one caveat to the at least the men's tournament, the the women's tournament will be in Bankers Life Field House, um, where it normally is when it's in Indianapolis, and they're only allowing twenty five hundred. I don't know what the capacity is there. Maybe you know sixteen, seventeen thousand somewhere in there. But the the, the men's tournament. Um, is going to be played in uh, Lucas Oil Stadium where the Colts play. So it's, you know, there's a lot more room to spread out. So that 8,000, it's not like it's going to be 50% capacity. It's still going to be quite a bit spread out. But it still is maddening that the Big Ten is making this decision. It's not the NCAA that's doing it for the NCAA tournament games. It's it's the Big Ten, which has, you know, continuously made decisions and, um, you know, kept everybody... Uh, from being able to have fans, even though, you know, different places, you know, if it had been made by local health officials like at Nebraska, the Huskers probably with football would have been able to have at least some capacity this past fall. 
and you know with with basketball maybe even a little bit there too so and with volleyball which is, has started up this spring so there's but all of those sports have not had um any fans in attendance other than family members so the and then like you said now with baseball which that's the big one for me i don't really understand and i've been watching some spring training the past couple of days for major league baseball tim and it, the way that they have people spread out, it makes perfect sense. Like even on, they have berms at these minor league ballparks in Florida and Arizona, and they have it chalked out where fans can sit, you know, with your pod and, you know, groups of fans that are family members or whatever are together and they they sit and they're perfectly, well, you know, they're spread out. They're not even close and it's outside. So I, I don't, you know, I don't understand the reasoning for the baseball decision and it makes even without basketball allowing fans at the big 10 tournament i still don't understand the baseball decision but then that makes it even worse that they're now allowing basketball fans even though baseball is starting up and not allowing them yeah real quick that's according at least to the the general star so lucas oil stadium seats seventy thousand. the house that uh, peyton manning built uh, if you will. And uh, uh, so only 8,000 fans allowed there. I think you can probably safely socially distance when it's like less than a tenth the capacity, basically. And the women's side, uh, 20,000 seats at Bankers Life Fieldhouse, only 2,500 being let in. Okay, well, you can you can kind of quibble with the numbers. I think 8,000 is pretty conservative. That's pretty low. Um, but I understand there's an optics side to this that you have to take into account. But, uh, I mean, only 8,000. If you're going to let fans in, might as well. Uh, let it film out a little bit more. I'm not saying you need to have a 70,000 strong in there by any means, but okay, whatever. But you can quibble with that. But here's what I think a lot of Husker fans probably should brace themselves for is I know that the athletic department and Bill Moose and everyone at athletics really wants to have uh, a probably close to a full stadium in the fall. And I, you know, I think sure. a lot of Nebraska fans would, would want to see that as well. However, you're, you're going to have a situation, I think, where the Big Ten is probably going to have something to say about that um, instead of letting schools, you know, adjust to what they're comfortable with, whether that's full capacity or three quarters or half or what have you. Uh, I, I, I see a scenario where there's going to be fans in some way, shape or form at Memorial Stadium this fall and at, and at football stadiums around the country. But uh, I wouldn't be shocked, Josh, if, if Kevin Warren, if the old commish or the, or the the CPOC or whatever they call themselves, the you know Fellowship of the Ring, the people that <laughs> shepherd and steward the, these rules, I guess. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised, Josh, if they had something to say about the capacity. I, I guess yeah. I, I don't know if they're going to be okay with, with a full capacity stadium. I hope they would be, but I, I don't know if they will. Yeah, and, and that's been a big topic of conversation. Last night on the show, Greg and Ben talked about it a little bit with Ted Carter um, coming out yesterday and on our affiliate KLIN. He said that he expects us, expects Nebraska to have a full stadium in the fall, which was an interesting um, thing for him to say, which, and I 100% am on board with it, but. I it's interesting because we haven't heard anything from the Big Ten, like you said. So I, you know, I, I'm not going to believe it until I see it that that we'll have a full stadium in the fall. But I, I think that at least at Nebraska, I think that we'll be in pretty good shape at that point. And you know, the vaccine will hopefully have been fully rolled out, and we'll have you know gotten everything under control. But like you said, it, the Big Ten has been consistently, and I, I guess not necessarily consistently, but they have it seems like their attitude is 
whatever the the worst situation is at whatever school that may be whether you know michigan or somewhere on the east coast whatever that's what they're going to go with and that's going to be the policy for everybody so like with football they you know like at michigan Rutgers, all those places weren't comfortable having any fans so that's what the policy is going to be for all of our football teams even though nebraska said you know bill moose said that they probably would have been fine with 25% capacity, maybe even up to 50% capacity for football games this past fall. That And, you know, that goes into a whole lot of arguments about competitive advantage and things like that. But I, it, it is interesting. And I, you know, I obviously Greg and Ben have made their th- thoughts known on it. And I'm pretty much on the same page about I'm kind of tired of that stance by the Big Ten. But it is what it is at this point. And you just hope that, everything in this whole across the country gets much better at least looks a lot better as far as numbers and that will make everybody feel a lot safer and everybody can just go about things pretty similarly to the way it was before the pandemic started and especially on the sports front because that's what we talk about on a on a nightly basis well, if you have any thoughts on fans and attendance uh, with the Big Ten tournament or, or fans in the, in the fall, what that's going to look like for football, uh, feel free to text us at 531-500-4686, which is our U.S. Cellular text line brought to you by U.S. Cellular. Proud to be the official wireless sponsor of the Huskers, U.S. Cellular connecting Husker Nation. It's also the number for our Woodhouse Auto Family Hotline, the Sports Nightly Hotline brought to you by Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices and brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Well, the next item on the agenda, Josh, is uh, we'll be talking with Ben McLaughlin, who is in uh, the Lone Star State, as we mentioned at the top of the show, uh, to call Nebraska and Purdue. And the, the, the Big Ten preseason coaches poll or list came out. It's only like a half kind of watch list, I guess, so to speak. It's only got six teams on it, but Nebraska mm-hmm. noticeably absent from that top six. And uh, I'm curious to get Ben's thoughts uh, on this. But, Josh, I, I guess, you know, uh, call me a homer, if you will. I think that leaving Nebraska out of the top six – is a little bit much. I understand you're not looking at top three. Uh, you know, sure. Indiana, Michigan, Ohio State for sure belong to that top three. Not even saying you're necessarily four or five, but I think that Nebraska, at the very least, could slot into that top six. I don't know. Am I wrong? What's your kind of sense of this well, Husker baseball team? To be honest with you, I don't think that it it matters too much for me because uh, for a lot of reasons. One, I just don't think rankings matter that much. It, are they a top six team in the Big Ten? Do I expect them to finish in the top six? Yes, I do. I think that they have a really good team. But I understand why. Because under Coach Bolt, they only played 15 games last year. They were 7-8 and eight in those games. And they had some nice wins. But they were really, you're, you're kind of just trying to get a feel for what they were going to look like last year when things got halted suddenly in the middle of March. And then now you're starting up a whole new season, basically 365 days later. And you kind of have an idea of of what is going to be thrown out there on the field, but you really don't know. There are a lot of newcomers, and you don't really know. And I guess you could say the same for a lot of the other teams in the Big Ten, too. You don't know what you have there. But I, I'm actually fine with that. I, I Like I said, I think that they're going to be a good team, and I think they're going to compete uh, with everybody in the Big Ten. But um, I, I'm okay with it. Let, let them think that we're not in the top six, and then – 
you know, just <laughs> Will Bolt squad will go out there and they'll uh, play hard and they'll win a lot of games and prove it on the field. I, I'm okay with it. Like, it makes sense to me, you know, with just 15 games in the Will Bolt tenure um, to not give them too much respect. But trust me, I think that there's a good team uh, that that will be playing over there at Hawksfield in a couple weeks. Buckle up and put the phone down. A reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. Yeah, Josh, I think that's a that's a fair assessment of Nebraseball, if you will. We didn't really get that much of a chance to, to look at this team last year. They only had really a handful of games before it got canned due to the pandemic. Uh, so it's really exciting to see, you know, that uh, we we already know that, you know, this season is, is going to go on as planned. There's going to be some bumps. There's going to be some bruises. Um, you know, there's, there's the... the the fact that still like are there going to be fans or are there not going to be fans for now at least no there's the weird pod scheduling conference only slate uh certainly the big 10 always is at a little bit of a disadvantage because they spend their entire first month and a half on the road uh whereas the sec and acc and and a lot of those southern warm weather schools get get a stay at home so the big 10 definitely going to have uh uh, the odds stacked against them. <laughs> At least one of the gentlemen that that is uh, joining us now, Ben McLaughlin. He's in the state where the the stars at night are big and bright, getting ready to call Nebraska baseball season opener against Purdue in Round Rock, Texas. Ben, uh, how's it feel to finally get out of that basement and getting ready to call live sports in person? It feels good to be down here. Um, it's been a long, it's been a long, uh, long off season, long, long year for sure, being in the basement, but. Yeah, being out here and uh, just the weather puts you in the mood to, to watch the baseball on the team practice earlier today. So, yeah, Greg and I are ready to go. Yeah, it's going to be a little bit of a different season, Ben, uh, from what we're used to. There won't be any fans allowed, well, at least for now. Um, the, there's the Big Ten's modified schedule. You're going to see some rule tweaks, like a seven-inning doubleheader. Uh, how do you see all of that playing out, impacting this season as we go forward? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that we really know yet, to be honest with you. I think, uh, you know, the biggest thing is going to be the the no non-con games and how that's going to affect the Big Ten teams, specifically at the end of the year when you're fighting for regional bids and fighting for at-largest, you know. The no no, uh, no conference tournament, it, it's definitely going to at least take one automatic bid away, so you're truly relying on uh, all the automatic, um, or excuse me, the at-large bids by the committee to get you in the tournament, which has me a little nervous um, considering the Big Ten hasn't always gotten the benefit of the doubt from the league. But, you know, Nebraska can only control what they can control, and that's that's on the field. And if they take care of business in these 44 games, then that, that kind of thing will take care of itself. Talking with Ben McLaughlin. Uh, wanted to get your thoughts, Ben, on Nebraska not being listed in the Big Ten's top six preseason watch list. Does that sit right with you? Do you think that's fair, or maybe do you think the Huskers were uh, were looked over on that preseason Big Ten list? Yeah, I think – I don't know that I was overly surprised. I think, you know, to anybody that, that doesn't follow Nebraska baseball and, you know, there are a lot of other publications that, that felt similarly about Nebraska in the preseason polls, they – they look at our roster and say, yeah, well, you really don't return, you know, anybody that, that we know of on the mound. And I think that scares, that scares people. Um, so I think everybody's kind of taking that cautious wait and see approach with the Huskers, which I think is fine. Um, the last time, I mean, two years ago, I think Nebraska was picked sixth and they, they finished second um, in the, in the big 10 tournament and earned an at large bid. So I, I think Nebraska's fine in this role. I think Will Bolt is fine being overlooked and 
to be honest with you, the, it is really hard from year to year to, to peg the Big Ten in preseason standings. I mean, every year it's just been nothing close to what the preseason poll um, has indicated. So I, I wouldn't read too much into it. It's, it's nice being recognized in the preseason, especially if you're preseason ranked or you know preseason picked to win the league because you tend to get the benefit of the doubt sometimes at the end of the year. But, again, ultimately Nebraska has to take care of all that on the field. So um, – doesn't really bother me too much and you know if if the team takes care of business and you know the the end of this year standings matter way more than the ones in the beginning we just got the starting lineup or rather the starting pitchers the starting rotation if you will uh, a few hours ago you have Kate Povich Chance Froke Chase Shanneman Jake Jake Buns all set to go against the Boilers and uh, I wanted to get your thoughts what do you make of, of that starting rotation I know you you briefly mentioned that that was kind of one of the question marks heading into this season. But now that we know who's going to be on the bump this weekend, uh, what do you make of, of Nebraska's starting uh, uh, throwers there? Well, I think we'll see. You know, Cade Povich is a, a young man that the coaches were really happy about last year to throw out there. And, you know, outside of, um, you know, a couple of innings here and there, I thought he was really consistent a year ago in his four starts. Had an awesome summer. So I'm excited about Cade Povich. He pitches with a lot of energy. He's, he's a true pitcher. He throws five pitches, and he's, he's a competitor. I mean, he, he's a guy that wears his emotions on his sleeve. Uh, Chance Roach is a guy coming in from New Mexico State, ironically enough from a, a program that was taken over by former Nebraska assistant Mike Kirby and former Husker player Mike Pritchard um, did, did a good job of uh, relaying the, the information to our staff that Chance could potentially be interested. Chance has family uh, in the Beatrice area, so you know, the connection was there, and he's pitched really well in Las Cruces. That is not an easy place in ballpark to pitch to, um, so he's, he's had some pretty eye-popping numbers in 2019. So that's an experienced guy that, even though he's a newcomer, I think you feel comfortable with. The other two, I think, are a crapshoot. You know, Shea Shanneman is next in that long line of closers that are trying to make that jump to starter. Hasn't worked particularly well in the past, but uh, Shea did pitch some in the summer from the starting role and did have some extended outings last year, too. So I'm a little more optimistic about Shanneman in that starting role. But again, we'll see. And the other guy, Jake Buns, is a guy from Elkhorn, junior college pitcher, lefty, good size at 6'5", that I know the coaches are really excited about. And one of those um, players that, that Coach Christie alluded to a couple of weeks ago that uh, you know have the ability to be stretched out and to start. And I wouldn't expect him to go get six in his first start, but if he can give you three or four, I would expect a guy like Braxton Bragg or even a Max Schreiber to come in after him and, and try and carry you late into the game. But, yeah, I mean, I, I'm like everybody else. I'm eager to see what, what these four guys have for us this weekend against a Purdue lineup that has some experienced bats. I wouldn't say that they're a, you know, a top three Big Ten team offensively um, in any stretch, but they, they, are, they do have a lot of ABs under their belt, so they'll have their work cut out for them. Talking with Ben McLaughlin, who's in Texas, getting ready to call this weekend series against the Boilers. Uh, now switching to the the Big Reds bats, uh, the key piece uh, obviously would be Spencer Schwellenbach, uh, but you also have guys like Leighton Banjoff, Cam Chick that are going to be able to be productive. Uh, one would think this season. Uh, anyone else you think Husker fans should have their eye out for offensively, who, who might be able to provide the bulk of runs this season? Well, you kind of mentioned you kind of mentioned the heavy hitters there. I'd throw Jackson Hallmark in that conversation as well. I would, I would expect him to bat lead off this weekend. Um, he's he's a spark plug and a guy that has a lot of experience and a captain for this team. 
Um, I think we're all expecting, you know, Mojo Haggy and Joe Acker to contribute as well. I guess uh, of the names that our, our fans maybe have not heard as much of, some of the newcomers, uh, a couple of freshmen that th- these coaches are really excited about, one from right here in the state of Texas and the other one from the Omaha Metro, uh, Max Anderson from Millard West and a young man by the name of Bryce Matthews who uh, will play infield for the Huskers, two freshmen that I know the coaches are really excited about. They had really good falls. Greg and I were able to get some eyes on them with a couple scrimmages that we covered at Hawks Field um, in this offseason. So I'm really excited to see what these guys can do. I'd expect them both to be in the opening day starting lineup. And, and, and Nebraska has a, has a new catcher that, that is going to probably catch the majority of the games for them this year in Griffin Everett, um, another junior college player that has a lot of power and very athletic for a guy behind the plate. So those are probably the three guys I'm most intrigued to watch just because we've seen so much of those other players uh, throughout their careers. We, we know what to expect from them. Well, we learned earlier this week that Colby Gomez is going to miss the entirety of the season with an injury. Um, and, and other than that, though, Ben, you know, does this is this team mostly healthy? Do you think that everyone's pretty much ready to go uh, for, for this season here in 2021? Yeah, I think for the most part, you're, you're in pretty good shape health-wise. You mentioned uh, Colby Gomez. It's a big loss. But, you know, he won't be a part of, of things this weekend or all season. Um, you know, a couple of other guys that we're not expecting back um, for a while, at least one off the top of my head is Kyle Perry. He had a off-season surgery uh, to an injury he suffered this fall uh, up in Fremont. So he, he's, he's going to be on the shelf um, for a while and I'm not sure if he'll pitch this season. And, and another guy that's, that's try, trying to claw his way back from an injury is Tyler Martin. I'm, I know the coaches are expecting him to pitch here probably in the first month of the season, but we're not sure exactly when we'll see him. But, you know, I think from a pitching standpoint, that's where we're at. And offensively, uh, I don't know of anybody that's on the shelf. I know everybody wants to know where, where Spencer Schwellenbach is with, with the elbow injury. I think he's doing well. I don't know that we'll see him in the first weekend on the mound, but we're kind of salivating to see what he can do uh, on the mound for the Big Red. And uh, the other guy that's had kind of an injury pass, Jackson Hallmark, I know his, his wrist is feeling better, and uh, he missed five games last year to a, to a knee injury. But I think he's fully fully rehabbed and healthy and, and ready to go. All right, Ben, one last one for you before we let you leave. I, I put you on the spot quite a lot here. I've already asked you to do a lot of prognosticating, gazing <laughs> into that crystal ball, if you will. But uh, what do you expect to see from the Huskers this series? Should, should Nebraska fans get ready to break out the broomsticks, or uh, is Purdue going to put up a fight? <laughs> I don't want to say that, Tim. You're going to have people coming after me. But, um, you know, I do think that uh, this team's really excited to get back out there on the field. I think Purdue's a good team to start with. I think they're very similar to Nebraska from a roster standpoint in a lot of ways. They've got some, some key guys returning offensively, and like Nebraska, they have some, um, some, some guys that have never done it at this level in their starting rotation that were really successful in junior college. So you never know what you're going to get the first weekend. Uh, I want to wait to see this team live before I predict any sweeps or anything like that. So uh, let's do some analysis. But I'm always optimistic at, at the beginning of the season, and I think the hunger level for those guys to be down here in the, in the Lone Star State is is pretty high. And so I'd expect them to, to come out here and play well, given um, you know the lack of practice time outside, so to speak. And that's that's an issue that Nebraska faces every year. But we're ready to get out there and just see what the 2021 version of Will Bolt's Huskers look like. 
All right, Ben. Well, definitely good luck on the call tomorrow. Break out the boot spurs and the cowboy hats and uh, yeehaw, all that Texas stuff. Get yourself some barbecue and uh, enjoy yourself down there. Don't let Gray get too out of hand, all right? We'll do our best, Tim. You, you try not to get us in any trouble, break any regulations or anything like that the hour that you're on the air. We expect to come back and fully have our operating license. Joining us now on the Woodhouse Auto Family Hotline is our very own Jake Mealizing, former Husker himself and color analyst on the broadcast tonight. Jake, how the heck are you, man? Doing great. It's a beautiful day here, so I can't complain one bit. It is true. It is beautiful out. Uh, unfortunately, we're stuck indoors for a little while, but that's okay because we got Nebraska basketball on our radios here in a little bit. But uh, my first question for you, Jake, is just what on earth did we witness against Rutgers earlier this week? I mean, where where did that performance come from? I think I think everybody in uh, in Husker Nation's kind of been asking that same question, and it was just a, a team that clicked on all cylinders that night against Rutgers, and uh, and not only on the offensive end but defensively, we did such a good job of turning them over in the first half, really getting that lead expanded. But you look at that first half, we had 14 assists on 16 made field goals, just always making the extra pass. And that was, that's what was fun to watch where you had some guys that were that were open, but they gave that shot up to get passed to a teammate that was wide open. And, they, and, and then on top of that, guys were making shots. So it was just we played with great energy despite that being our 12th game in tw- or 24 days. We played with great energy. We were the more active team, the more physical team, and just uh, played great, unselfish basketball. And then defensively, again, we talked so well on that side of the floor, rebounded well. It was just a complete game for the for the Nebraska basketball team, just a ton of fun to watch. Right. You mentioned there the, the legs. I'm just curious as to get your former player's perspective. You know, when you, when you reach a point where you're playing an NBA-style schedule, you have so many games one after the other. Do you reach a point where it just kind of start? You start to get in a rhythm. You start to gel, or do you think these guys are still feeling pretty fatigued? I think I think uh, these guys are starting to kind of get over that hump. I think the first, you know, probably seven, eight, nine games, they're probably pretty beat up, but they're kind of starting to share minutes a little bit. You've seen our bench step up in a major way, and some minutes have been cut down from some of our starters, so that's helped tremendously. And then they're 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 starting to get in that rhythm, like you mentioned, where you know, guys are ready for their shots. They're looking for teammates. You saw after the game when 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 Lat Mayan and Trey McGowan's were talking after Lat hit his first one, Trey came down and called the called the play and was looking for him right away. So there, you kind of see that that cohesiveness and that chemistry really starting to come together uh, in game action. And I think that has been a positive from this uh, this gauntlet of a schedule where you don't have that long break and uh, don't even have time to get any rust on you where these guys are getting that, uh, that, that rhythm, getting some momentum going on both ends of the floor. Talking with Jake Mulize, and we'll be on the broadcast tonight with Kent Pavelka, Nebraska and Iowa, just after the top of the hour. Well, the, the Hawkeyes, they're, they're coming into this game at kind of an interesting point in their season. They've, they've had a really dominant year, uh, but they, they not too long ago, they basically laid an egg against Michigan, but then turned around and just dominated Ohio State so Jake what's your what's your kind of read on this Iowa team we know they're good but just how good are they yeah they they're an interesting team they're they're still a team in my opinion that does not love 
to get down and grind on the defensive end. So I think if you work the basketball, they're not extremely disciplined playing defense. They want the basketball in their hands, getting down the floor and playing offense. But if they're able to get some stops and get some defensive rebounds and they push the basketball, they're they're as good as anyone in the country. I mean, they're shooting as a team 40% from three and averaging 10 made threes a game. And then on top of that, you have the the probably the best big guy in the country and uh, Naismith uh, Player of the Year candidate in uh, Luca Garza. He's averaging 24 and, and 8, and he draws so much attention where you just can't let him go one-on-one the whole time, so he gets double-teamed all the time, and then you have five guys shooting 37% or better from beyond the arc. So there's a really tough matchup uh, trying to guard these guys, but, they, but again, I just don't think they're an elite defensive team. That's where you see when they got beat by Michigan, when they when they got beat by 22 uh, on the road, uh, that's kind of their their downfall is the defensive side. You mentioned Luca Garza, um, and I, I hate to disclose uh, private conversations, but I think it might have been KP that first brought this up. Uh, we were just chit-chatting during the broadcast during a break where, where KP kind of noticed that Garza is not the most fleet of foot. You know, he, he kind of looks like he's got like a that kind of Clydesdale running motion. He's got like cement in his shoes, uh, but he's got a lot of size and strength, obviously. So what is it with Luca Garza? Why, in your eyes, is he able to be so dominant? Do you think? I just think you know you watch him progress uh, from his freshman year, and he was, you know, you mentioned that he's just not the most athletic guy around. And when he's trying to sprint down the floor, you know, it looks like he's kind of running in sand, and he's not going to explode <laughs> off the off the floor and and just wow you with his athleticism. But you can just tell the work that he's put in the gym, and just he's so fundamental. And if he catches on the block, he's got counter moves to all of his go-to post moves. And then he can step out and he's shooting 45% from three. So it's just a hard matchup for guys because you can try to put a big-bodied guy on him like a Kofi Coburn or someone like that. He's going to pull those guys away from the rim. You put a smaller guy, he's going to post them up and just beat him up on the block. So that's why he's such a tough matchup despite not being you know, an, an elite athlete in the Big Ten. Well, Jake, the season, of course, winding down. Nebraska only has two more games left in the regular season, including tonight. They'll play Iowa tonight, then Northwestern on Sunday. And then uh, you'll be playing next Wednesday uh, against uh, probably Penn State. Um, At least that's how it stands right now. Uh, So what do you expect to see out of the Huskers in just these few remaining games they have left? Do you think they have any surprises left in them, or do you kind of expect them to kind of coast here to the finish line? No, I think think they do, Tim. I think they they are getting some swagger. And you saw that, you know, we – we played really well against Minnesota and should have beat them by more, but we won a close game finally. And then you saw the the how well we played against Rutgers. So I think there's some swagger going on in the locker room that we haven't had all year long. So if we can keep playing that defense that we've been playing and, and creating some turnovers, getting some steals against Iowa tonight, you never know. I mean, I know Iowa's ranked fifth in the country and they're uh, favored by a ton, but you never know on the road, and then you have Northwestern at home. That's, I think they're trying to, you know, make a little splash here towards the end of the year. And uh, if they just go out and play hard, try to control what they can control, and maybe you have a, a little bit of, uh, of of swagger and confidence and momentum heading into Indianapolis in the Big Ten tournament. All right. Well, I hate to put you on the spot, Jake, but I'm I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, uh, we need a prediction out of you on who wins tonight. Now I'll go first, just to take the pressure off. I think the game is going to end on a technical. 
after we witness another legendary Fran Trump in Nebraska going to hit the free throws to, to seal the deal. Um, what, does that? I does, love is that it. bold. I mean, I mean, uh, do, do, you, do you see that happen, or what's what's your read I love on this it. game? Well, I, I, well, you're spot on on one thing. You know that Coach McCaffrey is <laughs> going to get mad, and that's just how the time, he's just a fiery dude. And you know, I I think we have a chance, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a go out here and say. Uh, I'm going to call a Nebraska victory 73 to 68. We're going to hold right. them, we're going to hold them well below their average and we're going to score some points and win a close one on the road. I know people think I'm nuts, but that's okay. No, no. Hey, we we are all for being nuts here on, on Sports Nightly. Speaking of nuts, uh, keep make sure KP doesn't give you too much trouble tonight. Make sure you keep him in line, okay? Well, that's impossible. He's he's just uh, one of a kind, you know. <laughs> <laughs>